Welcome to the ASHP Advantage Podcast, engaging the experts on ASHP Official, featuring conversations with top-level practitioners about the latest issues in pharmacy and healthcare. Thank you for joining us in this, the third podcast episode in our series on Standardized for Safety, where we sit down with content matter experts and discuss what is currently top of the mind in the world of pharmacy and specifically in regards to the Standardized for Safety initiative. My name is Dr. Mary Ann Clethermis, and I'll be your host today. I am the Director of Medication Safety and Quality in the Office of Practice Advancement at ASHP. Today, I'll be talking with Matthew Rewald, a pharmacy technician educator at Mayo Clinic, and pharmacy technician Andrew Nelson, also at Mayo Clinic, who has extensive experience in sterile and non-sterile compounding. This podcast is supported by Baxter and is for informational purposes. It's not approved for continuing education. Additional information is available at www. ASHPAdvantage.com. So thank you for joining us today and let's get started. Could you tell us a little bit about your pharmacy experience and what draws you to this initiative? I'm going to start with you, Matt. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Marianne. It's a pleasure to be here and I want to thank everybody for the opportunity to talk about this initiative and how it affects pharmacy technicians. So my name is Matthew Rewald. I'm the program director of the Mayo Clinic Pharmacy Technician Program and also the Pharmacy Technician Education Coordinator at Mayo Clinic. I've been at Mayo Clinic now for about five years and have been a pharmacy technician for nearly 20 years. And I have a heart and a passion for education and training. And what really speaks to me about this particular initiative is how it drives the idea of a solid firm foundation for the training and the work that our pharmacy technicians are doing to service our patients. So really honored to be here and I wanna thank you for the opportunity to have this discussion. Oh, great, welcome Matt and Andrew. Why don't you give us a little bit about your experience and why this is an important topic for you? Thanks Dr. Marianne. Uh, My name is Andrew Nelson, I'm a uh, pharmacy tech at a compounding pharmacy at Mayo Clinic. I've been working at Mayo for about seven years been a pharmacy tech for about 20 years, and I've been compounding for about 11. And what draws me to this initiative is I've I've worked in roles in education and training as well as assessing in compounding. And so the educational and training aspect of this initiative really draws me to it. Well, that's very exciting. I love this expanded roles that you both have as pharmacy technicians. I think that's very, very interesting and very informative. So let's go to the second question. You know, how do you believe in your work this initiative is going to impact pharmacy technicians around the country? Andrew, I think I'm going to start with you this time. Well, uh, there's there's a number of ways that this can initiative can impact pharmacy or pharmacy tech workflow. One of the big ways is that standardization of doses can really cut down on the variety of doses that are ha- that have to be prepared by the pharmacy technicians, obviously. And so, especially in sterile compounding, that can lead to um, opportunities to batch items and prepare items in advance if there's a smaller variety of things that need to be prepared. It also helps technicians um, kind of double check the orders that they're receiving. So if technicians are aware of a standard set of doses for medication, that prompts them to notice when something falls outside of those, those set doses that are on the formulary and question their pharmacist, hey, I noticed this isn't 
one of our normal doses, can you double check this and make sure that it's correct and help us uh, you know, catch errors that might've happened in, in prescribing or verification? You bring up a great point. Um, standardization actually improves quality, and that's kind of what you talked about. And, and in the Six Sigma process, anyone can stop a process that they think something is not correct. And it's easier for, a for anyone along the line of the medication use process. If things are standard, it's easier to, to identify when things may not be quite right to check. So that's a you just gave a real life example of of quality process. Matt, how would you like to add any information on how you think this is going to affect the our everyday hardworking pharmacy technicians? Yeah, I absolutely agree with Andrew. I think first and foremost, being able to have our pharmacy technicians have the opportunity to notice those variability that variability and those differing doses you know, as opposed to the standardized dosing is really important. I think overall, I would just add to the conversation that as a pharmacy technician, we are really often focused on efficiency within our workflow. As pharmacy technicians, we are challenged every single day to essentially prepare an exorbitant amount of medication for patients all around the institution. And I think anything that allows us to be able to do that in a more efficient manner while still ensuring safety and quality is extremely valuable. And especially, again, from the training and education side, having technicians have the opportunity to be able to be aware of these differences and then be able to incorporate that into those processes that Andrew explained, I think just really benefits everyone across the board. Yeah, just great points about how this makes for safety. I'm going to deviate a little bit um, in our next question, since you kind of addressed some of the answers already. But when we look at our standardized for safety, we have IV medications, but we also have oral medications. So how does that impact a pharmacy technician? You know, is, is there differences in them or, or is it kind of the same thing? And I see you shaking your head, Matt, so I'm going to go with you first. Yeah, I think when you're talking about that particular side of the medication preparation process, I think what it really comes down to is, again, familiarity with the differing doses out there. And, you know, the smaller the amount of monographs and directions that we have to follow to prepare these particular medications, I think just allows our pharmacy technicians to become I'll use the phrase masters of the particular products that they're making. And again, if you are familiar with the product you're making and you, it's safe and consistent, that allows us to ensure that we are making a quality product and also ensure that it is not hampering the other needs of the patients that we have with the other differing workflows that are happening simultaneously. Yeah, absolutely. Andrew, do you have any, any thoughts on that? I see a little shaking of the head there too. <laughs> Yeah, I just want to kind of piggyback on, on the last part that Matt said is that standardization really assists technicians in, in um, being efficient in their workflow and, and making sure that patients are receiving medications safely and accurately and on time. Uh, that's certainly a, a concern a lot in clinic and hospital settings where oftentimes there's, there's a lot of pressure to have uh, doses produced quickly and delivered quickly uh, to the patient. And so things that help reduce that time to prepare medications on demand for patients really is an, is an asset for patient care. Thank you. Now, you both uh, talked about efficiency, but you've also talked about 
preventing medication errors, how standardization is working to preventing medication errors. Is that something you've seen or experienced? And if so, can you kind of tell us about it? And, you know, what's your thoughts? What was the impact on you as a, as a pharmacy technician? Andrew, I'll go with you first. Sure, absolutely. Medication errors certainly uh, happen. They are a fact of our pharmacy life. And obviously, it's a big part of our job as technicians and pharmacists to minimize those errors as much as possible. And so how I feel that the, the standardized for safety really helps with uh, helps technicians with catching those errors, it, it gives us fewer things that we have to be familiar with to watch out for those inconsistencies. A good example is uh, at institutions I've worked at, they use quite a lot of vancomycin IV and uh, a lot of different doses of it. And um, there's been a, a drive previously to reduce those and standardize more, but that's one of the more common ones where sometimes because such a wide variety of vancomycin doses were used, inappropriate doses for, um, for the amount of diluent they were being added to would sometimes come up and that leads to a higher risk of complications such as red man syndrome and things like that. And so a more standardized uh, formulary, fewer numbers of doses to watch out for helps catch those errors. Um, just makes the process a lot simpler for technicians to learn and to implement. So you, you bring up um, the intermittent infusions or IV piggyback and in some cases IV push. And I, uh, those are not, those standards are currently as we speak being worked on. And I can tell you that, uh, that antibiotics are a little bit challenging because especially ones that are are dose uh, weight dose based, um, but we are we are muddling through those and and looking at at all issues. But uh, just for our audience, so you know which ones are available right now are the adult and pediatric continuous infusions and the oral uh, compounded liquids. PCA and epidural should be coming out shortly. Shortly, and we're working on intermittent infusions. So, um, which is the example you gave. Matt, do you have an experience or an example of of where this may have led, the lack of standardization may have led to an error, uh, created a problem? You know, we we talk about this as mainly through transitions of care, you know, sometimes even coming from ER to the ICU or the ICU to the floor. Just curious what you have as an experience there. Yeah, I mean, kind of like Andrew said, and you've also stated, I think when you're looking at these differing medications that are available, and like you said, as they're transitioning between care units, there's a high potential for differing thoughts on in regards to what medications should be prescribed. You know, one example I have in my practice is definitely looking at the idea of commercially available products versus products that we have to make on demand. And uh, in the institution I used to work at, there were many uh, medications that were becoming more and more commercially available, a good example being amiodarone. And in our particular workflow, the PNT was not willing to budge on the particular dosing regimen that we had for that medication that did not line up with the commercially available dose. And I think what that really did in our particular workflow was create a lot of demands in regards to the volume of these doses that were coming to the pharmacy to be prepared by our technicians on demand. In addition to 
um, opening up the opportunity for error. So we had a couple instances where technicians were not as familiar with the dose that our institution essentially prepared for that medication and subsequently prepared the wrong dose. Um, you know, specifically, we needed to compound nine milliliters into the IV bag, but these technicians did three, which was the size of one of the vials. Yeah. So I think that right there is where whenever we can leverage these opportunities to have those commercially available products and or have a very set, consistent a list of medications that our technicians can draw from. It's only going to help everybody involved and help avoid those potential errors. Yeah. And, you know, I can add that the standards are not going to be 100% because patients sure. aren't all alike. But as long as we are getting 80% of the patients that could fit into that, you know, it's got to be one of the the messages that we have to to send because that, again, just like your example when you have different doses, it, it it gets a little bit more complex than making sure you're measuring out the right amount, have the right concentration and, and that type of thing. So the role of the pharmacy technician is expanding more and more each year. It's just as you both are great examples for. So for our final discussion point, what can an aspiring new or even seasoned pharmacy technician do to prepare for practice in the future and, you know, contribute to adoption of best practices such as standardized for safety? How can, how can they, you know, suggest expanding their roles essentially? Matt? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again for the opportunity. So I think what really pharmacy technicians need to do in order to prepare for the future of our practice is really to think about how much can I learn about the medication that I'm preparing? I think often when pharmacy technicians come into our profession, we are taught and trained how to essentially fulfill the need of the workflow in front of us. So essentially, look at this label. This is how you pull the medication from the shelf. This is how you compound it. This is how you get it to the patient. But what I think initiatives like this, the standardized for safety really do, as well as many other national initiatives, is really begin to show pharmacy technicians that there's more to it than just reading a label and filling a medication. There's a lot of thought and intention that goes behind the doses that are prescribed for our patients, kind of like you mentioned, Dr. Marianne. And I think that the more that pharmacy technicians can be aware of that, they can begin to start applying that into their practice. And I think, you know, really thinking about the identifying what those advanced education and training opportunities are, working to develop themselves to become aware of those and even develop their skills and abilities really allows them to essentially fulfill the needs of the patient um, and doing things like being aware of this allows them to do so at a higher level. Yeah. So um, I'm going to switch a little gears here and kind of go to one of our other questions, even though that was kind of our, our closing question. Andrew, what do you, how do you feel these kind of standards will impact workflow now Now that we are living in a pharmacy tech shortage across the country? Absolutely. So uh, as you mentioned, uh, most if not all of our pharmacies are dealing with staffing challenges right now. Uh, even as our practice gets more complicated, certainly there, there are new treatments and procedures for for helping to treat COVID cases and other things that are, are happening happening in our environment in real time and everything's getting stretched. So a way that standardization helps with technician workflow is by reducing those other demands where we can. 
So we, we can't do anything about the special cases that come up, monoclonal antibodies and things like that, that have to be done only a specific way because that's all, all that's approved. But if we can standardize other more regular treatments, then we can reduce the amount of time and effort and resources that have to be devoted to preparing those and, and free up more time and effort and resources to preparing our more specialized products that we have to prepare. Yeah, just a great point. So we're coming to the close. You know, kind of things that I heard is, is that these kind of initiatives offer advanced education and training opportunities for technicians. You know, one of the things is that uh, it may spur to become more involved in, in national organizations because these kind of things help you, you know, participate in decision making about your work. And that uh, we all, you know, I would say 99.9% of us go to work to, to do things right and to be safe and, and to help our patients and um, you know, and this best practice is sort of a best practice for for how we work, especially as pharmacy technicians. Any anything I missed? Any other final comments from either of you, Matthew or Andrew? No, I I think you really hit the main themes that we wanted to discuss today. I think you know, pharmacy technicians, as Andrew mentioned, are being stretched in today's day and age. I don't think that that's up for debate right now. The technician staffing crisis is affecting us all. So I think um, as a pharmacy technician, what I continually reflect on is how can I provide the best service for my patients? And in my particular role, how can I educate and train aspiring pharmacy technicians to be ready for the demands of tomorrow? You know, I think right now we're all stuck in that fulfilling the need of today but I think what these types of best practices do, such as standardized for safety, is really be forward thinking and think about how can we best serve our patients. And I think, um, again, as a pharmacy technician, we play a key role in that. And the more we know, the better we can serve. So that's all the time we have. I want to thank both of you, Matthew and Andrew, for joining us today and for giving the perspective of a vital part of our team, which is the pharmacy technician and being exemplary role models uh, along this and supporting the standardized for safety. It's been wonderful to have you. Thank you, audience, for this third podcast session on the Standardized for Safety Initiative. Don't forget to check out the initiative website, www.ashpadvantage.com. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Thanks for joining us for the ASHP Advantage podcast, Engaging the Experts. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time for more expert perspectives on ASHP Official.